I don't know about you, but I was super excited for this follow-up. <laughs> Me too. Three years ago, we had The Secret Life of Pets. Now we return to Max the Terrier's world in The Secret Life of Pets 2. Grab your chew toys. I'm Tuesday. She's Kaylee. And this is Whiskey and Popcorn. It's like we didn't even skip a beat. The Secret Life of Pets 2 follows up pretty much directly after the 2016 film that was a hit among kids and adults alike. Max, now voiced by Peyton Oswald, and Duke, voiced again by Eric Stone Street, are still loyal dogs to their owner, Katie. But nothing ever stays the same. Katie falls in love. She gets married and has a baby boy. And the little tyke quickly invades the dog's relaxing lifestyle. Despite some ear-pulling and some ear-splitting cries, the two fall in love with the little boy. And Max quickly becomes very overprotective. Now, to calm Max down, these new parents take the entire family to a family farm vacation. These two city dogs meet Rooster, a tough sleep-outside, sheep-herding farm dog, who seems pretty much invincible. Max must find his animal side to brave the wilds of the farm. And to no one's surprise, plenty is going on back in the city. Side note, Rooster is voiced by none other than the best pilot in the galaxy, Harrison Ford. I cannot believe he agreed to do this film. More on that later. But yes, we are quickly divided between several plot lines because uh, we have all these characters from the first film. We have Gidget, the little white poof dog. We have Chloe, the cat. Uh, of course, we also have Snowball, who was the villain in the first film. He makes a comeback as well as a whole gaggle of other familiar faces. And a lot of the voice actors also returned. Kevin Hart still voices Snowball, still does a great job at that. There's some new faces, though. Uh, Snowball ends up going on an adventure with a very sassy shih tzu voiced by Tiffany Haddish, who I think she was pretty fantastic. Hilarious. <laughs> and they go on an adventure to save a baby tiger from an abusive ringleader of a traveling circus. Also happening at the same time, Gidget, that little white puff dog, uh, who she longs to be Max's mate and has a pretty funny uh, daydream about it. <laughs> she loses Max's favorite ball, which he had entrusted to her prior to his vacation. It was his busy bee ball. She loses it inside this old cat lady's apartment, which she has like 50 cats. <laughs> and she must pretend to be a cat herself in order to sneak inside and get the busy bee ball back. And of course, chaos, hilarity, and adventure ensues. But we're not going to give away any of the good jokes or details. This was, it, it was just a, the cutest of movies. <laughs> and as divided as this podcast is, I'm Team Dog and we have Team Cat over there. Yeah. Kaylee, the cat lover, how did you like the film? <laughs> well, yes, I am very much a cat lover. I think I've kept that kind of contained for these past few years, but, like, I practically breathe cat hair. That's how much I love cats. 
just covered in it. That's based on truth. <laughs> Fact checked by Tuesday. Um, I loved this movie. It was so funny. I feel like it was in many ways what I wanted the first movie to be. I felt like with the original, the first Secret Life of Pets, the storyline just didn't quite work for me. I don't know. Maybe it's this whole idea of a dog and then a new dog coming in with the new person, like the new roommate vibe, just didn't quite work for me. Because that's essentially what happens. Like Duke comes into the family um, in, the, in the first film. It was still cute, but it wasn't as funny as I thought it would be. This movie was as funny as I hoped it would be. And even though the trailer does spoil like a lot of the best scenes, there's still plenty of unseen scenes <laughs> to and, enjoy. And dare we say it, this one was better than the first one? I think so. Um, okay. Not think, I know so. I like this movie so much more than the first one. And I just, I cannot get over that scene where Gidget learns how to be a cat with Chloe. Uh, I got a clip here for you guys, but let me set it up. So Gidget is in Chloe's house. She's got these pink cat ears on. They stuck a sock on her poofy tail to give her more of like a long cat tail. And she's getting lessons like fetching. Cats don't fetch. Landing on her feet. Cats always land on their feet. Using a litter box. Things like that. Here, take a listen. I'm going to throw some situations at you and you're just going to react like a cat. Gotcha. Fetch. Yes. No. Fetching is for dopes. You're above that. Cats land on their feet. Really? How did you get ah! Yes! I did it! Nice work. It's precious. You gotta. The fact of life. Absolutely not. Never gonna happen. Guys, I found Trace! Oh, man. Up and tail in the face. Okay, touch the butt to the cup. <laughs> Walk on keyboard. There you go. Coffee on computer. And down. Nice. Yes, you got it. You're as close to a cat as a dog can get. <laughs> so as you could hear, Gidget successfully becomes a cat and invades the cat lady's house, which all these side stories, kind of going back to how the, the plots came together, I did have a little bit of trouble with that because they felt very disjointed. Like, they were so not connected. It's because I feel like the first movie had all these characters and they all needed to make a comeback. And they were felt like they were struggling on what to do. Like, this whole side adventure with Snowball the Rabbit and then uh, Daisy the Shih Tzu, you know, saving this baby tiger. I was like, where is this? This is weird. Why is this in here? I mean... I've kind of preferred more of the Save the Busy Bee Ball from the Crazy Cat Lady's house versus the tiger one, even though the tiger was really cute. But it just felt very much like, why is this here? Now, at the end, they all do eventually connect. So it ends up working out, but it still felt a little forced. And see, I might be in the minority, but I think I kind of loved the different stories because it really? kept... Yeah, it kept me kind of bouncing around with interest now, yes, I do believe the tiger story was the least 
of the three. And even if you just did those two stories, it would have been fine. But you also get the tiger, and then it pulls at your heartstrings. Oh my gosh, and... you must be like an eight-year-old. <laughs> Look at you. You're, you're a child at heart, just forgiving them so easily. I am. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, all of it's very cute. Each piece could very much stand on its own. That's what it kind of felt like to me. These plot lines could have been standalone movies by themselves, but they shortened them and combined them t- together into uh, Secret Life of Pets 2. I, I almost feel like, too, they really balanced it between the storylines, though. Max was not the main star, even though he was in the first film. He got equal screen time, it feels like, with pretty much everybody else. And I think maybe that's probably a reaction to how much people love the side characters. Yeah, it, it definitely was paying homage more to equal playing field of time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, now, kind of circling back to the voice acting and uh, Pat Oswald, who is replacing Louis uh, C.K., how do you think Oswald did? I thought it was great. I, I thought the transition was almost seamless between the two because we had a few years in between. So did everyone have Max's, you know, Max's voice memorized? No. It was just, it seems very s- seamless. Yeah, I felt the same way. Um, it, he sounded the same to me, probably because I haven't watched Secret Life of Pets since I first saw it in the theaters. And I think it worked. I think he captured the essence of who Max was. But also, I want to circle back to Harrison Ford <laughs> as Rooster. It cracks me up the things that Harrison Ford will say yes to, especially as he gets older. I I think he was able to make it really work. It, if I hadn't known it was Harrison Ford, I don't know if I would have recognized his voice, though. Would have no idea. It was awesome when you then realize who it is. But, I, I mean... He's getting older. Like, just do some fun downtime stuff. <laughs> it, it, I eat that up. I love it. Yeah, he does a really good job of playing, like, the old school traditional parents where it's like, kid, you put your hand on the stove, you get burned, you learn not to touch it again. And that's what Rooster's character teaches Max because Max is so overprotective of the little boy to the point where he becomes a nervous wreck and wants him to stay in his little playpen prison and not experience the world. And so Max has to learn how to, like, let go and not be a helicopter parent, which is so relatable, I feel like, for many American parents. Uh, We have all heard about the helicopter parents. Oh, yes. This was a prime example fed through dogs, but very much there's, you know, some aspects that we touch on. learning toughness, kind of playing off like anxiety-fueled Americans and helicopter parents. And of course, that's on a completely different level than kids will watch it at. But it it touched on some interesting things if you really think about it. Yeah. And um, I felt like this film had more of the, uh, the human problems, I felt like. I don't know, just something I could connect more with. Even though I'm not a parent, I still feel like this story resonated better with me mm-hmm. than the first one. Um, also, I wanted to point out, too, with uh, Snowball, who was the villain and now gets to be essentially the superhero because he is adopted by the little girl, right, and is her hero. <laughs> He's got these blue and yellow spandex outfits that he wears. And um, they did some interesting things like 
I'm not sure if this visual joke landed on me as well as some of the other jokes in the film, but they gave him like a 2D, like very cartoony uh, Saturday morning cartoons, like montage where he's like imagining himself as this big bad superhero rabbit. It kind of made me think a little bit of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse where they were kind of playing with different animation types. Totally. That one kind of fell flat for me. I I felt like they didn't need that montage or they could have just left it with the regular 3D. I don't know. What did you think? Kaylee, what is a movie without a montage? I'm not mad about the montage. It's just like, oh, they're trying to copy the comic book style. and Clearly, it's not as good as Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, but maybe I'm just being picky. But Snowball was hilarious. I mean, what did you think about the jokes? I feel like... For the most part, the jokes landed really well for me. Granted, I had three very uh, heavy pours before (laughs) the movie, several glasses of wine and like essentially a Mai Tai. So I was already in a giggly mood. Um, So I quite enjoyed all the jokes, even if they were dumb jokes. They just worked for me. I don't know if they would work for me sober, though. Again, it was just fun, silly. I mean... You know, you're going to giggle at fart jokes or, you know, things of that nature. And it's a kid's movie. And, I, like, I'd like to remind people of this. I I read a review the other day basically stating, oh, your kids will absolutely love it, but you make sure to bring a venti coffee. And I'm so jaded by this. This movie is a kid's movie. Yeah. Like they were they did not build this series to entertain you, adult film reviewer. Like it just completely floored me where they were like, "Oh, well, it's just uh it's dumb jokes and, you know, playing off all the normal things you would." Yeah, it's a kid's movie. Yeah, I feel like the this film in particular, I mean, from it's from the Illumination Studios which gave us Despicable Me which is a fantastic film, also geared at kids, but adults love that too. And I feel like, I agree, a lot of our fellow critics are unduly harsh on kids' movies. Like, I'm a little bit picky here and there, but, like, would I actually go and see this again? Yes, I would. Oh, yeah, it was absolutely adorable. I would go with any of my friends' kids or my little niece. She's still too little, but um, it's just fun in in all of the very intense and emotional films that we see throughout the year I can speak for Kaylee and I it's just fun to just go to a fun movie and just giggle yeah and I have to say too in recent years like I feel like kids movies have not been great um we basically have to rely on Pixar slash Disney to give us any kids films of quality so it's nice to see this film be something worth watching. Well, on that note, it's time to grow up and have a drink. Oh, this feels so not apropos for a kid's movie. Adulting for the fun times. (laughs) So uh, it's happy hour. What you drinking? So as a little kid, I used to do this really obnoxious soda thing. We called it a suicide, and you would go and put a little bit of each soda Oh yeah, on the at the soda fountain, all in your soda. So I'm gonna say I'm going to have a vodka, diet coke, Dr Pepper, orange, lime, aid, Sprite, 
lemonade Pepsi. Oh, you called that jungle juice when I was a kid. Ah, so yep. good. Um, it's summer. It's hot. I want a chocolate mint milkshake with Bailey's. OMG. Doesn't that just sound so good? Yes. Now I'm like, I'm craving a root beer float now for some reason. <laughs> it's perfect. You can get it, Virgin, if you are underage or if you're like us big kids, add that Bailey's in there. It gives it a nice extra little zing on top. Just a little kick. <laughs> Well, you can bark up our tree anytime you want. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Spotify. And as always, hop on over to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for all of our latest news and podcast updates. And you can always visit our website, whiskeyandpopcorn.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys at the movies. Movies.